Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. And today we're going to review Jewels of the Carnifex. But first, how are you doing, Brad? I'm fine. I have the, uh, the, the, I, the virus has finally come for me. King COVID. COVID-19, it's here. I got it. Yeah. A couple years too late, but... It sucks. No, it's never yeah. too late. I respect... This is a virus. I, re- I respect this virus, okay? And it, uh, it's got me. It's got me right now. I got, uh, I got the COVID brain, man. Uh, I'm do- anyway, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. Everyone's okay. We're just getting... We're living life, you know? We're just getting... Get, we're, we're good. How are you? Hey, how are you? Are you good? I'm good, yeah. Uh, no, you know, things are going as they as they do in this time of year where either I'm sick or a kid is sick or neighbor's kid is sick so my kid can't go over there, blah, blah, blah. Not interesting. Everyone's sick. Jesus Christ. Yeah, just, that's right. That's right. But uh-huh. it is getting closer to the Christmas holiday. And uh-huh. I, although I don't myself celebrate, uh, I do... I mostly enjoy it, except for when I go into stores. I just don't want to listen to the same song over and over and over again. There are yeah. so many Christmas songs, and they have such uh-huh. strange and occasionally threatening lyrics that I, Ooh, I just don't. Who's threatening you? What? Oh, you know, they're just like, "Don't go outside." That was that one Christmas song. I feel like I find it's almost like manic. Like I can't believe it's a popular song. It's like. I feel like that song, like it just never starts. It's like I can't explain it, but it's just this kind of like, yo, buddy, chill, like chill, chill, chill. This is a crazy song. Like, why is everyone into this song? You know, ring, ting, ting, ling, ting, 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 ling, too. Like, what are you saying? Like, you're just yelling like bell sounds. Like, every and there's like a. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's. I like that one. I was more referring to how creepy the santa claus is coming to town one is it's like i hate the but the bruce springsteen boomer version of santa claus like if they can try to see how like poorly they can just holler that line like i i haven't heard his version i'm referring to like whatever the classic one is where yeah. it tells you um you know obviously he sees you when you're sleeping but it also says yeah. you better watch out you better not cry like whoa yeah. be good <laughs> for goodness yeah. sake yeah it is it's 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 pretty scary, but anyhow, yeah, uh, people Christmas. seem to like it. Good no, I else. mean, I do wish that we said Happy Christmas in the U.S. because I, I much prefer that over Merry Christmas. I, you know, I went for a couple of years where I was saying that, and people kept like getting upset with me. They're like, "You mean Merry Christmas?" And I'm like, "Why was anything? Oh. Why do yeah. I say Merry anything? I don't say Merry Birthday. I don't say Merry Wednesday. Why? Why is this? You Merry don't say Christmas? Merry Merry New Year." Yeah, like what's this like? It has it has to be a Mary? Like that's a weird adjective. Just like we only use this on Christmas. Like, give me a break, man. Like, check your adjectives, pal. If I could be a little soapboxy here, one thing that I I am bothered by, I don't. Yeah. I you know obviously I don't put any stock in the nonsense war on Christmas stuff, but yeah, one thing that does bother me is that the the local food co op near my house, every year. I uh-huh. look forward to this advertisement they send in my inbox, and they also plaster all over. Um, it says holiday trees are now here. Holiday trees, like yeah. holiday trees. <laughs> which funny. which holiday? Right. Just, just want to know because it's not my holiday. Uh, it's tree. not a it's not a Hanukkah tree. Uh-huh. It's yeah. not a holiday lamp. 
you know, it's a menorah or a Hanukkah. They're just, but, you know, but it's capitalism, it's, man. They're trying to sell so Christmas funny. trees to it's the Jews so and call funny. them holiday trees, you know? Like they, it's just, I just, it's Mark, it's, it's just, it's capitalism. I know, baby. but it's, or maybe they're just trying to say in case you practice the, you know, you paganism or the solstice sure. or something. Oh, yeah. But I, I just find it really funny. Holiday tree. It's just so funny. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. I like this airing um, of grievances we got going on. Uh, my wife has good. been saying this, <laughs> the virus has made me, uh, I've, well, she says I've gotten a uh, really mean, not with her, but <laughs> like, Oh, like, I've been, uh, Acerbic tongue. You had that before. Yeah, I, noticed I think lately. that was cooking. I've been doing a lot of laying in bed and watching jazz concerts, <laughs> and every time it gets interrupted, it's always like the middle of a song, an ad comes on, and it's some like spaceship thing, and I just, I, I just scream at it, and and um, you know, Cassie comes in, and she's like, you know what YouTube does? Like, why are you yelling at? You keep like yelling at your computer. Like, why are you surprised by? It? But it makes me furious. It's never like in between the songs. It's like, hey, solo time. No, like Star Wars crap. I'm like, I hate this. I hate Star Wars. Okay. Like, shut so up. If I could make a suggestion, uh-huh. yeah. do, what, what I did is my neighbor, he's uh-huh. got two kids. I got one. We decided to go into a uh, uh, YouTube premium plan together. Like we made yeah, a family. Yeah, always buy something. Yeah, sure. Right. No, but listen, uh-huh. it's it's like 15 bucks a month that we both oh, pay. Come on, man. That's can so you li- Can you hear me? I don't get any advertising. Any but, advertising, and that means my kids don't watch it on YouTube. They're holding but, me know. hostage here, dude. That's a sand, yeah, that's sandwich okay. money. Fifteen that's bucks Dr. a month money, you for know? two families to not ha- have ads is totally worth it. Because you can have to the some five other family to make this worth it. Yeah, now. well, just, it's not okay. It's it is worth it. I, I hate ads, so it's worth it. Anyways, let's move on to our Mootsack question. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm uh, we're in we're in like a real gutter of grievances here. Can know? I? Can I? You know what? I want to. I'm going to ask. I, you got more direct, direct son. If you're listening, make us a son. make us a moot sack bumper. Unless you already did and I forgot. In which case, I apologize. But make us make us a moot sack bumper that I can. No, we don't in. even get a please. We just get a. I like. I one thing I've noticed is that we use his work in every show. And we never credit him. Like we thank <laughs> we thank Bobby for the music. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We're not even saying. Maybe we should hey, start thanking him. Hey, direct son, could you please do this? It's like, hey, direct oh, yeah. son. Do the thing, and we're not going to thank you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We love direct okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the moosack. Moosack, um, baby, come on. That, the moosack no. is a little low place where IP we violation. can ask a question. What is it, like four seconds? Moosack, baby. Okay. You like that? It's not. I am denying... But this is happening. I got the virus in my brain. I don't care, man. Okay, I'm, I'm okay, flying free okay. today. This question comes in from Lawrence Beltwig, which, by the way, I hope that's your real name. But if it's not, really good choice of pseudonym. I really like that name. It has a nice mouthfeel to it. Lawrence yeah. Beltwig. If Lawrence uh, Beltwig was like an animated character, what like what, what animal or a bat. species? Okay. A bat. I was thinking like a like uh, maybe like a beetle or something. You know, just thinking of things that start with B because of his name. I, know, I think it's okay. the wig. You know, it's like earwig. Oh, uh, kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Deflator Mouse from that tick. Show. Yeah, Deflator Mouse from, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, okay. You kind of remind me of that guy. Oh, the right. tick. A little bit. The tick. Okay. I, yeah. dude, that is a formative work with me. I used to read the comic books and I, I couldn't believe. Them. 
they made a show yeah. from that. Like I lost and, my, and, and the show and was then, like my dreams come true. And then they made another show with the same actor playing the tick. Yes. And I it's really incredible. felt obligated to like it. And yet I could not be honest with myself that I did not like it, you know, but whatever. All right. So uh, a question for the podcast. Sorry, this comes in from Lawrence Beltwig. Uh-huh. Question for the podcast and the audience. How do you deal with DM burnout? What do you do to recharge? How do you get the creativity flowing again? Asking mm. for a friend. Yeah. Now I'm going to go out on a limb and, and assume that uh, Lawrence here is not asking for a friend, but asking instead for himself. Whoa. I, I don't so, know, man. Uh, I'm sorry. Dangerous if that, assumption. If you are experiencing burnout or if a friend of yours give that friend our condolences or sympathies yeah sympathies yeah <laughs> uh, uh yeah different not that burnout um, yet hopefully yeah yeah uh all right what do you how about you how do you have you ever experienced this i d- yeah sure definitely i mean i'm like a forever dm type so i i mean that's just like yeah i dm all the time uh i i have felt burnout but I guess if I'm being honest, it's been a while since I felt that way. And I think if when I was feeling burnout, it was when I was playing really long campaigns of like the same, you know, it was when I was back in like my third edition, fourth edition Pathfinder days um, where, I, you know, we would just run those games forever. And that was just like the game you play. Um, yeah, I think um, the way the times I feel burnout is when I feel somehow obligated to the table to persist through a scenario or something that's not particularly interesting to me or is using too much prep that I don't feel is fun. Um, I feel a lot less burnout on low prep games. So I, yeah, honestly, I just try not to do as much prep anymore. And like, you know, when I was running like Starfinder or, you know, third edition D&D or fourth edition, those are so prep heavy, man. I was just prep all the day long for that stuff. Um, that's not fun. And, uh, so yeah, I think there's, there's fun to be having those games, but I don't know, any kind of prep you can minimize, I think helps with burnout and not like thinking of myself as a player, but thinking of myself as someone like obligated to bring the entertainment to my friends, I think is a good way to get burned out. Like you owe it to yourself to have fun. And honestly, you owe your players nothing. Okay. You can just hit the bricks, walk away. If, (laughs) um, you don't have to keep playing a thing that sucks. Um, you know, if I'm like running an endless module that is just not really doing it for me, cheat it, get to the end, skip to the end. You don't have to, you don't, you're not obligated to get to the bottom of stone hell. You know what I mean? If I'm, I'm, that's a silly example because you know, whatever. Um, but, um, yeah, w- ask yourself, why, what are you doing this for? You know, if you're not having fun for yourself, then adjust that, um, fix that problem. And yeah, sometimes like a system might be giving me burnout and I'm a system switcher. So I'll just be like, Hey, heads up gang, feeling like it's time for a change soon. I think in the next few months, I'm maybe wanting to switch games. If anyone wants to object, I want, I'm, I'm totally want to hear about it. Tell me why you like this game. But otherwise here's a few games I might be interested in almost every time when I just start showing the other games where I'm like, Hey, this game, you can pilot a robot. Like everyone else is like, I want to pilot a robot, you know? And that just changes it. And we jump into something new and it gets fresh again. But, um, yeah, I just think having that mindset, like you don't, you're, you're not like a beast of burden here as a DM, like do what it takes for you to have fun. And usually that's going to be fun for your players as well. Um, 
Whatever. I feel like I'm talking for a while. I'm like lost in this. No, that, you're fine. Still. You're uh, what do you got was, here, man? I'm like in the I'm like under the blankets right now. All right. Well, unsurprisingly, yeah, I don't have a good answer here. I've never felt any kind of burnout with respect. Whoa. To okay. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to give myself accolades. I just it's, I've never experienced it, so I don't think I'm really in a position yeah. to to give any kind of advice around it. Yeah. Um, do what you love until you don't. Then take breaks and um, find new ways to fall in love again uh that you know for me that has been just time and and um creative pursuits uh, you know i yes. didn't always love writing dungeons until i figured out that the way other people did them is not how i like to do them mm. and then when i found a few people who gave me good ideas like you know ben l and uh, yeah. Gus l and people like that then i thought oh actually i do like that i just need to find a way to do it that i like so reinvent uh-huh. the thing that you like yeah, try, try things from a different angle. You know, uh, I don't really totally. have any useful feedback here. Yeah, and like I don't know, for most of my life, I wasn't running published stuff. Every once in a while, I'd run it, but usually, I'd be like, you know, I'm a homebrew guy, you know. And then I'd slowly like let more and more published stuff in. Now I feel like now I'm kind of like at a fifty fifty split, and honestly, I think that helps with burnout. Like, it's it feels so luxurious to just like be in someone else's work that I don't have to, (laughs) I don't have to like think of the fun. The fun is written before me. You know what I mean? So like mixing that up with, you know, um, your own stuff you're coming up with. Great. That's great. That's like very fulfilling. You're, you're meeting the, the, uh, the interests of the group. Probably you're coming up with something creative and fun. Great. But like, uh, switch it up, you know, next, Next thing you want, you you kind of steer your players towards or put before them to move towards, try to get some published stuff in there. Cause I don't know, it's just easy to kick your feet up and be like, yo, yeah, you're in Brandonsford now. Here's a dragon. What do you want to do about it? Uh, suddenly not your problem to think of what's going on with that dragon. Um, and that's, that's, that feels good. Feels good, man. Feels good. Anyway. Well, okay. Great. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for that question. Uh, we saw there were some, heavy-ish discussion about this on the discord channel so yeah uh, check that out if you haven't seen it already you can just search for lawrence probably on on uh within the the between two karen's channel the karen discord and find more conversations about that um at your leisure yeah there we go and that's a bingo right. baby am i right uh, i don't are you referring to the scene from Inglorious Bastards where Christoph Waltz's character misuses the phrase? I wasn't thinking about that, but uh, I do. I do enjoy that. It's a great that scene. Movie. It's a great scene. Yeah. I I think that the introduction of that film in which Christoph Waltz is terrorizing that milk farmer is one of the best written and performed and staged and directed yeah. pieces of film, uh, you know, ever. I really yeah. love it. That I was, was thinking like, about it. Au revoir, Shoshana is like well, that's yes, like that just, part just like etched into my well, but but also brain. how real it was. That's you know the oh, yeah. um, the squirrels and uh, rat stuff. That's yeah, that's that's powerful, so man. Jeff Goldblum, uh-huh. his um, he has family from that survived the Holocaust, but he yeah. he had. I listened to him talk about how one of his relatives lived in a farmhouse for two years under the rafters uh, in this barn. Wow. And and for two years, you know, before finally coming to the U.S. and yeah, um, it's basically exactly like that, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it's a real thing. But gosh, Christoph Waltz, he is, I mean, he can act in four languages 
and mm-hmm. he's terrifying and he, hilarious in all of them. And I just, yeah, if, if I, he's one of the, I think the best living actors, I really love him, but yeah. Um, and if, of course I, you know, Tarantino knows how to write very intriguing dialogue. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to pivot to a Tarantino show though. We don't need, we don't need to do no. that, but, um, moving on. Yeah. Let's talk about our main review. Jewels of the Carnifex. Yeah. This is another Dungeon Crawl Classics adventure by Harley Stroh. We previously reviewed uh, The Shadow of the Beekman. Yep. That? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also by Harley. And uh, we, in general, I think both of us have some experience with DCC. I've played it and read a bunch of their adventures. Um, yeah. Uh, I still have never played it, but uh, I'm more of experience with... Goodman Games. I've been running Goodman Games adventures for years and years. Yeah. Third edition, yeah. fourth edition, and Harley Stroh has been a regular name at, at my table. Uh, right, since I was right. A young and man. Yeah. Good and Goodman Games is the publisher, but also Joseph Goodman did the layout for this particular adventure, and also all the art direction, which makes sense. There's a very consistent theme and style to all the DCC. Yeah. releases that um i personally love i know not everybody does i i love it i think the artists they pick and the styles that they direct are just so fantastic um, i love their little kind of fake advertisements for their own <laughs> company <Yeah. laughs> and system i love seeing that stuff um so i'll go through the credits real quick uh, this was uh as i said written by harley stroh the layout is by joseph goodman editing is by aaron blackters rudell the art is uh, uh just a who's who um, Peter Mullen did the cover, although it's miscredited as uh, De- Doug Kovacs in the actual PDF and print versions, but it, it's actually Peter Mullen. The inter- interior art is Jeff Easley, Jim Holloway, Doug Kovacs, Russ Nicholson, uh, Stefan Pogue. So just like all-time favorites, really great yeah. artists. Yeah. The cartography is Doug Kovacs, and it's it's quite interesting. We'll talk it, about that later. That's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. That's that's definitely um Kovacs to the what'd you call it? The S T no the it's the it's the Ne Plu Ne Plu Ultra of uh Doug Kovacs. It's just a very unique piece that we'll get into later. Yeah. Um as as I said, this is published by Goodman Games. It's a 36 page letter-sized uh release. It has um, on mine, mine it says it's the second printing, so maybe yeah. there's some changes from earlier versions. And mm-hmm. once again, this is for Dungeon Crawl Classics or DCC. Uh, I have the print version. I actually picked this up at PAX Unplugged, and uh, the Goodman Games folks were kind enough to give me the PDF version. It's as is their policy. You just email them and then uh, provide an image of the book, and they'll give you a PDF, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, Goodman's awesome. Good, and, good on them. Yeah, uh, this uh, also. Uh, includes, I guess we should also, uh, yeah. n- you know, note that that's also Melsonian uh, Art Council's policy, which we've learned since we kind of called them out a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I was. I'm still a little confused about that, but um, yeah, apparently Melsonian will give you a PDF about if you reach out and say you bought a book. But wh- why wouldn't you just give us the PDF when I bought it? I don't understand. Because they their uh, the, their you know their fulfillment system isn't like locked into their PDF distribution uh, yeah, system. I, right, but. But I got the PDF for the other thing that Andrew Walter did before even getting the book, which I haven't got yet. You know, I just don't yeah. understand, but I don't whatever. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, correction there. 
I do want to add that this actually has this, this uh, print and PDF both have an additional bonus adventure at the end called Lost in the Briars by Brendan LaSalle. We can talk about that at the end, but uh, yeah, so this is actually two adventures, not just one, but let's review the main one first. Okay, yeah. Okay, um, why don't you give us a summary of this adventure? Jewels of the Carnifex is a, I would call it a because it's there dungeon. This is a kind of a dungeon to a forgotten cult. It's full of skulls. Um, the, uh, the This was the old lair of the cult of Carnifex, who is the goddess of uh, torturers and executioners and rot and things like that. So you get the drift. Very tropey swords and sorcery kind of, uh, kind of vibe. Um, so the story here is that this cult was overthrown by, um, this, uh, this do-gooder, pious paladin guy, Azazel, which I would love to talk to you about because I'm sure you and I both have a different Azazel (laughs) from our, from our, uh, respective backgrounds. Yeah, I have a comment about that, but continue. (laughs) And Azazel... Um, and his, you know, merry band of hot men, <laughs> like, invaded this um, temple many years ago. I think it was like 300 years ago and um, and overthrew this cult. And now it is kind of lying um, buried under the streets of Punjar. And now PCs, for whatever reason, you know, there's a rumored table that might bring them here. They have come to this um I guess this for this, you know, temple or, 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 uh, whatever you'd call it. And they're mucking around, seeing what's there, finding treasure and fighting the evil that still lurks. Um, yeah. So yeah. Tell me about your Azazel. What do you think? What is that to you? Well, I mean, there is Azazel, which is a, a fairly common character in both Jewish, Christian, and Muslim lore. Uh, Uh Azazel was a fallen angel, supposedly. The original term meant um, uh, not a person, but a place. Like, it was a rugged Mm. mountain place that communities would send the scapegoat to. Are you familiar with the scapegoat concept? Sure, yeah. Well, because, you know, you've, you've enlightened me. Uh, yeah. The, okay. Well, the for those who don't know, takes the sins yeah. of the the community. Right. 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 So there was actually two goats. There's one goat that uh, the ritual requires, I guess, whispering the names of all the sins or all the whispering all the sins in its ear, and then you would slaughter it. The other goat you would send to Azazel, which was some mountainous, rugged place, and eventually, I don't know if that was accidental or. Um, people just kind of worked on it, but it went from a place to a person, which is sort of a demon, sort of a fallen angel, um, also kind of the king or leader of all the uh, scapegoats. That, yes, did evolve into the Azazel character in Beyond the Pale, my uh-huh. adventure, which is um, uh, just kickstarted. So uh, I have a little familiarity, familiarity, <laughs> familiarity with this. Um, yep, nice. I. I kind of get it because that's sort of what Azazel is. He's uh-huh. a fallen, but that's his name before he became this dude, which is, it's sort of like a reappropriation of that original myth. Um, yeah. There's an interesting Middle Eastern vibe, I guess you could call it, like generic uh-huh. Middle Eastern vibe to this whole adventure. Hmm. Um, I, you know, if you read the beginning, then the adventure background, there is a, um, I'll, here, I'll read just a part of it. Um, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, also, I, w- I was going to comment that I know Azazel from X-Men. He's a bad guy. <laughs> it's, it's, that's Nightcrawler's, uh, Nightcrawler's dad. But actually, they just retconned it, and um, Nightcrawler's dad was a- is actually Nightcrawler's mom. So that, that was oh a cool my twist. god, wow! Yeah. But but okay. still, Azazel's kind of in the mix there. Too. It's really um, it's kind of complicated. But that's X Men. You gotta you gotta love it. So anyway, well, my my, and, my, my yeah. impression of this background is there's a bazaar, right? That's the first hint. Um, there is at the it's a, okay. I'll read it. Oh, at okay. The, you're talking about yeah. So ooh, actually, yeah. You're right. Uh-huh. There is a Middle Eastern thing. This Punjar is a city that um, I wanted to say something about this. Okay. Because this is a city that Harley Stroh, this comes to again and again. I, my longest running campaign ever, ever was based out of this city, Punjars, for fourth edition D&D. They put, Goodman Games put out a free, like a free RPG day. It was like Punjar, City of Jewels or something like that. And I was like, this is cool. I'm going to set a campaign here. And I ran that campaign from level, in fourth edition D&D from level one to level 26. It went wow. for years. Wow. And that was my wow. longest, RP, my longest campaign ever. So I, um, the, this the is tarnished, cool, it's the tarnished jewel, right? The tarnished jewel, Punjar, the tarnished jewel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was psyched. I was like, I'm, I'm, I love that there's still Punjar content coming out of Goodman Games. Um, because man, I lived years of my life in this city. Um, yeah, definitely middle Middle Eastern kind of vibe here, right? Um, and it feels a little bit like Linkmar, also uh-huh. from Farford and the Grey Mouser. Definitely, it's also Link-Marge. it's also by the way a real city in pa- Pakistan. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but okay. but no, no, it's fine. But it is a vaguely South Asian but Middle Eastern sort of city, and it has yeah. so maybe that's why Azazel works here i don't I, I, look i'm not crying foul i just thought it uh, was an interesting it's like if you called a character lucifer yeah and it wasn't lucifer you know the similarity right. was like thin but it's just an interesting choice you know yeah yeah that's all good uh D loves reusing you know yeah i uh, know whatever for it's, things it's fine iter- um, you know go ahead and iterate um all right so <laughs> continue with your description of the module, please. Well, that's about it without going into spoiler territory here. This is really just like a very dense dungeon. Players are probably going to see everything. They are, um, it's, it's very open-ended outcome. There are some factions players might ally with. There's two major factions in the dungeon and probably, um, the way that they respond to one or the other is going to determine the outcome of how this thing resolves. Um, yeah, can't say too much else without getting into spoiler territory, but yeah, it's a dense, mean little skull dungeon. I also think it's very deadly. <laughs> um, there's there's quite a few like deadly challenges here um, that I think could really trip trip players up. Um, but anyway, yeah, without going to the deep dive, yeah, you want to start us off? Tell tell us what you think about this one. Sure, I liked it. Okay, I have some thoughts. Uh, but I want to preamble this a bit. Yeah. I think you you said something about DCC in a previous review that I I thought about a lot. Where basically there's a DCC play style that I just don't like. That just doesn't work for me, right? Yeah. But at the same time, there's so much good stuff there that I want to find a way to appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah. And what I've tried to do on reading this is appreciate the parts that are usable to me and what I would do differently, which uh-huh. it may seem unfair. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just assume that the parts that I don't like are, um, 
I, I'm not going to talk about what I don't like as much, and t- I'm going to instead talk about what I do like. There's a couple things that I want to review from the perspective of someone who actually likes the kind of DCC style of gameplay, um, which I guess we could establish first. But what I, I just want to make clear, I don't like it, but I like the adventures and I like a lot of the content, so I yeah. want to be fair. It's like, it's like I remember reading... Um, interview with uh, Roger Ebert where he was uh-huh. talking about how, how he reviews children's movies. Uh-huh. And he doesn't go in there and talk about how obvious the plot is. You know, he he reviews it as a children's movie. And I'm not yeah. in any way trying to compare myself to him, but I do think as it, it's a good lesson for anyone reviewing anything. Definitely. Is, is to review it, you know, on on its, um, on the same ground. To review yes. it on, to meet it where, where it is. So I'm going to say first, this is some of the best art I've ever seen. I absolutely love it. I don't love all of it. Some of it's fine, but wow, there are some pieces here that are just extraordinary. And uh, I just came away, you know, there's a, a scene where this, I guess this playtesters character was killed. The death yeah. of Chuck Clinton. <laughs> I, I'm just so, I love that stuff or this, or, you know, where they discover this major artifact or um, the runes. And I just, the, the map itself, I, I, I just, love so much of the art yeah. in the DCC Goodman games universe that um, I just, I have to say it's a big part of it for me. The things that I struggle with around DCC specifically, and a lot of the um, adventures we've reviewed is there's just too much writing. There's just yeah. too many words. Um, there's not box text, but there's italicized introductory descriptive text for every mm-hmm. single area. And some of it is multiple paragraphs Um that's just, to me, it's just, it's not interesting. I'd rather have four things and then I get to figure out how to communicate it. I don't want to read aloud, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so there's that. The second thing that I struggle with in general is there's just so much mechanics for stuff that I would just not mechanicize. You know, I, mm. did, I don't need to think about every possible permutation of what could happen. I'll just make a ruling, right? you know? I'll just make a ruling. So from the OSR perspective, in the sense of rulings over rules and that sort of thing. I, I really do think DCC pushes up against that. Like I, I don't think it's, um, the, I, a platonic ideal of an OSR game and nor does it try to be, but I just want yeah. to be clear. It has OSR elements, but there are, you know, if you wanted to base things off of the quote unquote pillars of the OSR exploration, yeah. discovery, problem solving, critical thinking, rulings over rules, uh, you know, player skill over character skill. Um, I think it, I think one area that it really kind of brushes up against that concept is the rulings over rules part mm. is yeah. it, there's just areas that I don't need so much minutia, you know, well, if right. this happens, it's a, you know, there's a, they have to, a thief has to, beat a dc of 17 <laughs> right I, okay man i just i'll make it work um right that said, like one particular staircase which has like so yes, many yes oh my god every stair every yeah, it just goes yeah, on yeah, and we'll, on we'll on talk on. about yeah. that i wrote uh-huh. um, my notes about that by the way in the deep dave are i don't like stairs <laughs> <laughs> yeah um there's a couple other things that i think dc does um it, that I don't care for that are that do shine through in this. And one of those is there's a particular trap with three doors. Yeah. And um, I actually think two of the three are very good, but the third one is just emblematic of something that I've seen in a lot of DCC stuff, which is just, it's just punishing without really any indication that it's going to be so punishing sort of the equivalent of a, 
oh, you stepped on the wrong thing. You're dead. You know, mm-hmm. um, that does come up in this adventure uh, more than once. And that it's always going to be something I don't like. So yeah. all that aside, the reasons I really like this adventure besides the art is I think the conceit is very well thought out. I think it's yeah. interesting. I think it is, it, it engages the players in a way where they have a lot of choice. There's a lot yeah. of choice and agency yes. in this. It, you you know, the, the, the PCs can follow one or two or no factions at all. Mm-hmm. And depending on what they do and how, and what decisions they make, it can completely change these like cosmic events that are pretty interesting you know yeah they can even die in some cases and that impacts the greater story in a really unique way yeah um i really enjoyed that there's an uh, there's a really interesting section where the big bad evil guy or one of them uh <laughs> has a gambit and has all these different strategies depending on how the pcs act yeah. i at first didn't like it I just generally don't like being told how someone's going to act. But then I, as I kept reading, I realized, you know what? Like, this is kind of interesting. You definitely know what this person's goals are and how they think about the world and what they want from the PCs. And, and it's a little limiting. Like I could see myself being annoyed at the kind of, um, framework it forces you to work in. But if you accept that framework, I actually think you'd have a really good time. And I think the characters would think it was really interesting as long as it made sense to them and wasn't just sort of hidden and mysterious. Like I I know my players hate when characters, NPCs are aloof and, you know, uh, don't give enough information through dialogue. So I would want to overly provide uh, clues as to what is really going on or what the strategy of this character might be so that the PCs felt prepared to engage in a way that uh, validated their own agency. So yeah, right. so, so that that's my overall feeling of it. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I think it's actually quite a small adventure. Yeah, definitely. And um, and they sp- and you could strip out ninety percent of the text and really get the same experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, that, that's not. Uh, I'm not trying to say it's bad. It's just that's classic DCC, and it's, not, it's what I don't like. Like I I I don't need to know that the PCs feel a sense of overwhelming dread because of the blah, blah. I just don't need that. Just a, mm-hmm. a single bullet that says anyone getting nearby feels dread. Um, I don't need to see as evidenced by the dying roots and moss, the true reliquary remains hidden in the, you know, I don't, I don't need that. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I actually really enjoyed it as an adventure with those uh, kind of notes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, I, I totally want to echo that. Yeah, I think it's really important to kind of meet a module at where it is. Um, and I think with this one, like what it attempts to do, it is extremely successful. Um, I think just the vibes are immaculate on this is just like the perfect, you know, like creepy skull dungeon, some really cool details. Um, I think almost every encounter is memorable. Um, it is overwritten, but I think the writing is really flavorful. Like there's some really great purple prose that I would just like pull out. Um, yeah, I do wish some things were described less, but also it's, just, I don't know, the writing is really nice, confident. I just like, like what it's doing. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Art's great. The maps, I love the maps. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I think this is a great module. Um, and yet <laughs> I think like what it attempts to be oftentimes is, a kind of module that I'm not super interested in. <laughs> um, and that's just kind of like a different 
preference. You know what I mean? That says nothing of this module, which I think is a total winner. Um, I th- the, the things that, you know, it is, it is a very linear dungeon. Like there are different entry points into this thing, but it is very dense and there's not a lot of room for exploration, you know? And I think I value the art of the dungeon. I want to see these, these pathways, these connections, these different halls. I want to explore. I want to see how things connect. We don't really get that here. That's not this module's fault. It's just not what it is. Um, and I think kind of at its heart, it's kind of a showcase for big, cool fights, <laughs> which I get, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a winner, but you know, um, yeah, I kind of want those kind of just branching unknowns, those chances for being clever or subverting my own expectations. You know, um, I want drama. It definitely has drama. It fulfills that big time, but, um, yeah, like for what it is, this, this thing is totally solid. A plus like popcorn module. You know, this is like watching Independence Day or something. You know what I mean? Like, this is the crowd pleaser. I think you could crack this open at a barbecue. It would totally kill. If I ran this for my weekly group right now, it would kill. Like, this would, this, this is like a crowd pleaser. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like kind of, kind of somehow not like my platonic ideal of what a module should be. So, um, it's not one that I can totally give my heart to, but, uh, yeah, like you said, this is a great module. I think it's totally fun and you can just feel the, the, um, you know, the craft and the fun, like oozing out of this thing. So definitely, um, definitely super solid. Um, yeah. Do you want to jump into the deep dive and we'll talk about more stuff we like and don't like? Yeah. Do you want to talk about the second adventure first or should we just combine those two? Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about the second adventure. I think it's inoffensive. I like Brendan LaSalle. I think it's super short. I mean, it's only like three or four pages. It's kind of like a little forest crawl with like four encounters. Um, you know, there's enough to run, but I don't think it has enough content to really stand on its own. Um, I can see it getting padded out and having a lot more, um, kind of meat to chew on, but, um, yeah, as it is, it feels like an add on. Um, I don't, what did you think about it? I mean, it definitely feels like an add-on. I really yeah. liked it. Um, I, I uh-huh. liked that, you know, I okay, it's a forest theme adventure. I can't help yeah. myself. But but I uh, Peter Mullen's art is really great. Um, I yeah. like the conceit. The central conceit is that there was this treant, treant, yeah. tree, how do you, you know, there was this the living tree thing, the treants. Yeah. Um, can they call them treants, by the way? Uh, is or is that I think a you token? can't call them ants, right? You can call them tree ants, but not okay. Ants. No, no, right, right, right. That's right. Okay. Anyways, so there's a tree ant that was a druid, which is kind of an interesting idea. F- happened across a meteorite, and then <laughs> took a piece of that meteorite and became extremely um, anti civilization as a result. Like it corrupted them to hate yeah. all civilization and anything you know intruding upon the uh, natural world. And that's like the backstory, but not even relevant to the adventure itself. Like there's this whole background that you could yeah. cut out and wouldn't have any impact on the adventure. But I kind of like that. And then there's this concept where the the tree the tree ant he has all these like um minions that are also tree ants that throw creatures at the party. <laughs> that's like that's their main thing, is they pick up bears and throw them at people. I just thought that was very interesting and funny. I didn't like one part of it where um there's this big bad guy in a tuxedo and sunglasses from a different universe who shows up and hunts the party. I, I thought that was terrible. I wouldn't include it at all. But um, uh, yeah, it just was like I just it's so 
I don't, not e- that's not the problem with it. The problem is uh, there's literally nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Like there's nothing you can do about it. It's just, it's just what, what it seemed uh, totally juxtaposed. Um, it, it seems like it seemed inappropriate for the adventure. All in all, I enjoyed it. I thought that, you know, the concept was cool. This interrupted ritual that needs an elf, whatever. Um, so yeah, there's not much to mention about it other than great art, cool concept, s- super tiny. Yeah. I don't even know why. I don't know why it's here. But, nice bonus. Um, nice bonus. It That's is a I nice think. bonus. It is a nice bonus. So, all right. So let's just deep dive into the main review uh, jewels of the Carnifex, starting now. Deep dives. Deep dive. Okay. So, yeah, what's really going on? Azazel, he was a, a, a pious Boy Scout man, and he went to shut down Carnifex. And um, yeah, with his, I love like it notes how like attractive all of his male followers are that he he has too. So <laughs> yeah, him and his his group of like hot fraternity super, boys, yeah. uh, like paladins, go down into this dungeon, and they seal up Carnifex in a in a in a, in a cave. But um, Azazel is possessed with this like primal goodness and he becomes this kind of demigod of goodness. He's this glowing energy man. But yet somehow he doesn't quite seal the deal, right? He was supposed to to, like sacrifice himself to complete the ritual and he doesn't do that. So Carnifex is still there and him and his hot boys are still keeping watch. But his holy energy is now kind of corrupt his hot boys almost it's making like life grow too much so they're getting all called yeah. tumorous and oh everything deformed. everything, everything they're is. all it's so gross they're, what i like every, yeah. it's like there are rats that are gigantic and there are yes. there are like worms that are gigantic but they Slugs actually they offer no threat to the party they're just huge yeah they're just huge and scary and gross but these big tumor slugs crawling around um i love that too yeah so these hot boys or formal hop former you know artists formerly known as the hot boys and Azazel are still kicking around and Azazel's sense of good and evil is totally skewed because he thinks anyone less pious than him is evil. So PCs are definitely like evil. He'll try to use them and then he'll turn on them. Um, or you could free Carnifex, who is guess what? Uh, it's a kind of a weird creepy babe <laughs> sealed away i don't know man it's a great i love the i love the um the duality do you go with the um the rude paladin who's good but kind of a, a dick or do you go with the hot babe goddess of evil and torturers i know who i'm picking man i don't know about you i think if i had to choose between the two as a player character uh-huh. the vision of light kind of guy is surrounded by tumored I don't know. I, I would not trust that. Um, no, but I think then it does every, a great job of kind of telegraphing that. <laughs> yeah. But then like yeah. every interaction with the Carnifex. Yeah. It's just obviously evil. So I think I would just follow neither. I yes, just couldn't. I think that's smart. But there is some kind of um, primal allure to letting the chaos goddess out of her hole. You know what I mean? I like that, how that affects the world. And I can see my players being like, let's just do it. Who cares? You know? One thing that I thought was really interesting was you can find this oil of slaying. Yeah. Which is like oil that just kills whoever you hit it with, except for the very big bad person. And I don't know like how this would work out if you didn't have that. Like if you didn't have the oil of slaying and you just, It'd be, I just don't see how you could survive. It's challenging. Um, Cause there's like 17 of these boy scout guys. And right. They're gonna exactly. Turn on you. 
Yeah. You know, I often complain about, you know, why would someone go continue? I understand yeah. why you'd continue because you want to loot uh-huh. this place. I get it. Yeah. But but let's say you do try to loot like the reliquary, the reliquary. How do you say that? The Yeah. The reliquary, I guess. Yeah. In the reliquary, there is this um, idol that's been covered in gross stuff. But like there's a bunch of relics buried inside of it. Yeah. Each one of those relics does evil things. Like, yeah. you know, like let's say you get like two of them. You really want to uh, go back for a third one? Like it's I, let's say you I survive. Dig um, I dig um, no, no, I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying your chances of survival are so low in this. I'm really interested to know um, out of these playtesters, which of which uh, there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, how many of those survived? You know? Yes. Well, we know from page 12 that Chuck Plimpton met his demise. I love that art where we see one of the playtest characters getting killed. <laughs> and it says, the death of Chuck Plimpton. Uh, the the name of the playtesters, and there are many, oh. are the the Expendables. So <laughs> Expendables. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely a, a kind of con adventure. You definitely. Know? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I like... And, and I like a lot of the DCC-isms about like, oh, if you fail this, your hair is, turns white. Or if you don't chop off your hand here, you're probably going to die. Like there's yeah, so many ways very, to get deformed and transformed yeah. that I, I think are yeah. fun. Well, I love the cursed nature of the treasure. Yeah, there's a ton of treasure. You're going to be filthy rich, but it's hard to get rid of it. This stuff is all like oozing with evil. And like it's you can't just go spend this at the at the bank here. This is like the wicked treasure stuff. Um, and the ramifications. You could let out this chaos god. Or you could have this like demigod of light trying to just pursue like there's there's cool stuff here. I think it's really cool outcomes from what happens here. Um, players and their stories are transformed regardless of how they act here. I think that's that's cool design. You know, you, you gotta love it. It, it, it's, it can be a little dangerous when uh-huh. if it if it takes away the sense of player agency. Like oh, no matter what I do, yeah the same thing happens, but there's like 10 things that could happen. So yes, <laughs> right. Uh, you're what really, you're what picking did, your poison here. How did you feel about the, uh, Azazel's gambit about his like tactics that he uses? Well, yeah, it's, he has a strategy and it changes depending on various situations. He tries to force you into a yeah. certain area. If that doesn't work out, he right. try, you know, tries to convince you that you're yeah. on the same side, you know, all that stuff. I appreciate that. I mean, I think you could say, yeah, he's just like, you know, this, this do-gooder corrupted by his own sense of do of good. And now they're kind of, the lines are blurring and you can kind of know how to play that, but it is really etched out how to play this guy. And I appreciate that. I mean, he is a dangerous weirdo. And I like that. We see how his chess piece is going to move depending on how you move. I don't think that's bad to, um, you know, to, to script that kind of thing. Um, He's an interesting character, and I think it's cool to see how he's going to react to your different ideas. Um, so I'm not I'm not mad. I think that's cool. What did you What did you think about it? You like that, I think, right? You learned to love it. You said. I think if I were to run this, I would pick one strategy. You know, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Hey, I'll try to be friends, and then like have right. him betray them. Yeah, I think that's what I would stick with. But there's a lot of like sub strategies that I just did, wouldn't care about. Um. Uh-huh. What did you think about the traps overall and the dangers present in each of the rooms? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some great traps here. I love the avalanche of skulls that dumps you into the next room and then that screws you up. Too. Like, there's a lot of really cool and flavorful stuff here. That's really good. Um, there's like the three, the three, the three doors. I thought very reminiscent of uh, Tomb of Horrors. You know, like there's a few times I think where there's like three treasure chests and like 
there's no right answer. They're all going to screw you. Um, I don't mind that trope in D and think it's funny. Um, there is a treasure map players can find that really broadcasts how bad the middle door is. So I can uh, appreciate that there's at least a little information conveyed that like, don't go in the middle door where the crazy home alone staircase is going to kill you and then kill your corpse 10 times over before it falls down the pit to kill at a final uh, time. Um, that, that one does skew on the side of like too mean for its own good. I think those, the three doors, cause there's, there's, very little to be had from that room. It's just punishing you again and again. But, you know, I think there's a tradition of that in tabletop gaming. And I think um, it's not my favorite tradition, but I can appreciate it for what it is. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's it gets a passing grade. Um, I, yeah, I think if it was just two doors and not that third one, I'd be fine with it. But yeah. the... <laughs> The stairs yeah. on the third stair, this yeah. happens on the eighth stair. This right. hap- I just, okay. That was, That's you know, and if it was, there was like a treasure chest at the bottom where I need to know how they're getting around these stairs. Sure. But that is like a whole page of these stairs and there's no, there's nothing. What's the payoff? You're dead either way. Like why are, why do I need to know that eighth stairs trap? Like, and other questions like came up too. Yeah. Around, there's that um, on page 20 where they uncover the three bodies and one of the, you know, there's, oh, one yeah. of them should be Azazel, but he's not there. Uh-huh. Uh, you're supposed, I don't know how I would run this where you're uh-huh. supposed to remove the runes in reverse sequence to how they were added. And I don't mean how a character would figure it out. I mean, all the runes are listed in different with different with like A, B, C, D and E. Right. And, and then it's like, why didn't, why didn't you just list them in order of how they were added? A, B, C, D, E. Like, why couldn't you just label them as the alphabet? And then when you do reverse, you don't need to tell me segment C was placed last segment B was placed immediately after segment E. It doesn't matter. Like I don't, yeah, it's arbitrary. You don't need to give it it to me in C, B, D, A format you know that was one of those logic um, puzzles i was kind of squinting at i was like okay i'm not I, I running don't, this now so i'm like i'm kind of following but like i don't know about this yeah, yeah. I, I stuff like that the kind of like if i just yeah if, if i could just turn the thing it's like it's all no either the, yeah. the character if the player has thought of a interesting thing or if their character yeah. has knowledge that gives them that information then you just tell them and it happens but the, the interesting part is not the minutia unless you had handouts right. and they had to like figure out a logic puzzle, which is not what this is. So anyways, um, uh-huh. I didn't like that very much, but, uh, I, I did find the rest of it, especially how it ends. If, you know, if the PCs free Carnifex, uh, yeah. you know, even if they die, they're reborn yeah, as right. her minions, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it does feel a little bit predetermined. Uh, it kind of does, know, and it kind of stacks you like, oh, that's why there's 17 guys. It's like, it, you're supposed to die because now you're just going to come back to life. You know, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, there's there's a little bit too much. It's not really a railroad. It's just, yeah. it's actually, it's similar to uh, that other DCC, uh, the King of Elfland's Son, uh-huh. where there's an ending and it's just sort of, it, it just sort of happens. You're yeah. not really given any choices. And again, that's seems to be a DCC, uh, anachronism. So, yeah. uh, you know, not ideal, but easy to change. 
Overall, yeah. I really think the content is worth the trouble. Yeah. We did not talk about the map. Yeah, the map is so interesting. It's like hyper illustrated. And I think it really helped me understand like the first like the first challenge is like there's a broken sewer pipe and you have to kind of swing over a gap into the opening of the temple. Yeah. And like reading it, I was like, I don't really, I don't really know how to imagine this. And then you look at the map and it's so vividly illustrated that it's like, oh, it, it that's is. It. And it's that's not it. to scale. And then it's there's just, that spider thing that falls down and you too, it's right there. You know? Like, right. You see, I, I, it helped me understand what was going on in, it. in the um, second floor more than the first floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate it. What I don't appreciate uh-huh. is that since there's no table of contents, I didn't know where the map was and I had to look for yeah. it. But otherwise, um, uh, I do think it's really helpful, and uh, it's amazing what Doug Kovacs can do it's with awesome. a two-page spread. You know, yes. he even includes like a quarter of one of the pages is just yeah. monster art. You know, it's yeah, just, right. It's there's not even effects. relevant. There's the three, uh, the three-headed raven. There's the logic puzzle right here. Like we get so many little illustrations that are just cool bonuses. Right. I more meant like. Um, I, I don't know if they're the pious or who they're supposed to be, but those yeah, these are the frat boys. Up, all mutated, the frat boy, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they take up a chunk of page. I, yeah. I don't really need to see them, but great, cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, overall, really great, really great. Um, yeah, cartography. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, like again, if I need like a one shot just to you know a crowd pleaser for a group of coworkers that want to play RPGs, like this is it. You know, like this is great. There's there's very little to not have fun with here. Um, I think if I really wanted to make this my own <laughs> and like make it so I want to like put it into my campaigns, I want to expand the first floor and maybe put like six more rooms. Like I want to put areas to explore. I might put some NPCs that telegraph the factions on the second floor. Like maybe, I don't know, like a, uh, you know, a slug or a rat that kind of got some Carnifex's psyche in it and kind of can promise power for unleashing them you know and maybe there's like a frat boy on floor one that can add some context and they're surprised when the the when azazel betrays them you know what i mean like it's some um something like that but just a little more to kind of explore dig into and, and kind of have that kind of dungeony osr open doors experience that i really like like i want the art of the dungeon here um more than just like three rooms in a row which is kind of what level one is right now um but yeah you know. right it, yeah so i was wondering if that would be a problem for you and my assumption was that you wouldn't have an issue because uh-huh. the decision you are presented which is to yeah. go the wrong way or the right way right <laughs> you're kind of just dead if you go the wrong way or there's a good yeah. chance you could just all die there which would be kind of awful but it's so early on that maybe you could just rip up another group of adventurers i, I had the same knee-jerk response and yeah, that's why I would probably change that particular three door. Right. Uh, and this is, there's also like stairs to the like good way to get to level two and it's locked. It, great. I'm going to go hide that key somewhere else in my new rooms. You know, like let's make a challenge to get there. Um, so I think there's there's ample I, yeah. room to to kind of expand this, which is right. what I wanted. I just wanted more. Um, but yeah, the, the stuff that's here, it's this is this is it. This is this is it. This is solid. Yeah. All right. So. That's how we feel about the jewels of the Carnifex from Harley Stroh and Company. Um, this is a third DCC that we've reviewed. Uh, there are so many of these adventures. I, I think you could probably do a show just reviewing them and go forever. 
Yeah. I have yet to find anything that I really, that really works for me in mm-hmm. the sense of an, a true OSR style dungeon using the tropes I mentioned earlier. And I'd love to hear if there is one. So if, if you, if listeners know of a DCC adventure, one of the hundred or so that have been published, uh, that matches what you think I would like, I'd love to <laughs> hear that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Asking for a friend and that friend is me. And, uh, that's about it. So th- this has been Between Two Cairns. You can find us at between two cairns at gmail.com or on our Patreon at patreon.com slash between two cairns. Uh, we are indebted to my good friend Bobby McKelver for making the music for this show and, of course, to Direct Sun for the deep dive bumper. <laughs> yeah, and we also have, I think, only two more episodes coming out this year. Uh, so... Stay safe and stay warm if you're on this side of the hemisphere. You people in Australia can just go to hell. Uh, <laughs> God, wow. No, I was, I, was, <laughs> I was giving all this parental advice to uh-huh. someone, who, someone I know who lives in Australia. about, how, And I was saying, oh, it's the winter, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, oh, shit, it's not the winter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was saying, oh, my wife said that winter pregnancy was like this. And then uh-huh. I realized, oh, shit, that's not going to be applicable at all. Right. <laughs> now you blew. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so uh, yeah. See yeah, you all next that's time. That's it. See you. See y'all. Respect the virus. The virus is out there, y'all. Respect the virus. I'm still wearing masks in Fred Meyer. I still got it. You know. I respect What's this virus. In Fred Meyer. What is that? That's the grocery store they got around here. It's Fred Meyer. Uh, don't you? I, if I recall, you can't uh-huh. buy alcohol from a grocery store, right? You have to go to like a government-run facility. Uh, you can't buy the hard stuff. We got beer and wine, but yeah, you gotta got go it. to a, got a, a liquor store for the. Spirits, yeah. but Washington now you can buy you can buy liquor in, in and what about like uh, what about like the people pumping your gas? Do you is that still a thing? It's so yeah, Oregon and New Jersey they're the states where you don't pump your gas. They got someone to pump your gas, and then Oregon was like, oh, you know what? You you don't have to have someone pump your gas. So now it's this weird, awkward little thing because they still have to employ gas pumpers too. Okay, so you pull up in a gas station now, and there's a a, a gas station attendant. Who's like, oh, hey, do you want me to pump your gas or do you want to pump your... Uh, dude, I don't know. We got to do this little what am I doing wiggle every time I pull up. Like, I, like, yeah, I'd love for you to pump my gas. I'm not going to be like, yeah, man, can you pump my gas? Like, I don't know how to do it because I'm an idiot. Like, I know how to pump my gas. It'd be nice if you pumped it. And now, because of Oregon's stupid laws, I got to have this awkward little interaction every time I, get, I need gas. So thanks a lot, Oregon. You know, pick a lane. All right. Pick a lane. Don't be like, oh, you can't or you can't or it's up to you or you do whatever you want. I don't know what I'm doing in these situations, man. I got social anxiety. I don't know how to, how to I don't know how these situations are supposed to go down. Okay. So thanks for nothing, Oregon. You know, and thanks a lot for YouTube for putting your stupid ads in the middle of the jazz concert. Right when someone's about to play a solo, I got to hear an ad for like Tide Pods. Give me a break. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. That's, that's, okay. T- that's, we sucks. talked about this already. I'm I not paying a $15 a month. There's way too much money. You All have right? to find other people that join as a single family. I don't, I don't want someone no. else looking at what I'm looking up on YouTube all day long. That, they, okay? That's, that's, that's private, not what the, that right? does not, that's not what it does. And I'm you also get like backup as part. Of, okay. You know what? I Whatever. still don't want to pay any money. You, I just want to watch the jazz videos. I, I want to watch the soloist. I don't want to watch an ad for Star Wars every time. Jesus Christ. Do we need more Star Wars? Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm all fired up, man. You're, yeah, this is this is what the virus does, I guess. It's, this uh, is what the virus does to families, okay? <laughs> Respect the virus. That's my final parting words. Okay. Perhaps ever. All right. Oh, okay, that was dark. Too dramatic? Uh, 
yeah. Let's just let's dial it. Let's dial it down. Happy this New is, Year! All right, Happy New right. Year! You sound let's. You're like aggressively saying that to me. You asked me about the gas pumpers, dude. That's a sore subject for me. You know, I, I don't know did how not to realize. Okay, you know, I just uh-huh. I wish mm-hmm. there was a lane you pulled into that was just like here's where they will pump it for you. Don't you don't like they don't, you don't have like that. The, yeah, you just don't like the awkward forced just, interaction. That you could get a little be. guy with a vest comes up. He's like, me, you, me, you, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe uh. you should think about it like this. Like, well, if everyone continued to ask them for help, then they could keep their jobs. And so you should say, you, my friend. So give them justification. For yeah, but they don't want to do their jobs. They want to look I at see. their phone while I pump it. You know, I don't, I I don't want to do my I job see. either. You know, I don't want people you know, to have problems, but I'm helping them. You know, when I, that's when why I, I have was, a job. When I was 18, I worked at a Shell gas station in California. Oh, how about that? Okay. And I, I, you know, we had no phones. There was no mobile uh-huh. phones at the time. And I would sit on this extremely hard piece of wood that was supposed to be a chair, but I would sit okay. on it reading at the time, you know, whatever philosophy books, whatever the hell I thought I was smart. I would yeah. be reading these books and then I would listen for the sound of when people put the the gas pump back on it with the computer uh, in my little area would make a sound and i that sound became associated with interruption and i hated it <laughs> i hated it yeah I, you know i would hear to do and i'm like oh i gotta i gotta yep. put my book down i gotta i was you know i got some freaking sart nausea whatever anyhow yeah. what, this is neither here nor there i'm just saying uh, you're not that wrong yeah <laughs> they don't no want to be helping to work. you but that's no, no not one what wants I mean. to labor. No, no one wants no, to pay no for YouTube. Wants, you know, no, that's nobody wants. Nobody wants to do shit work. It doesn't mean nobody wants to work. It's, the labor um, is labor, man. It's all labor. Yeah. You know? No, what I mean is nobody wants to do work that is um, uh, punishing. Like I used to have to sit in that gas station. My it, when there was no cars, I had to take this wooden stick. Uh-huh. It was gre- It was fully greasy, and there was this wow gr- grease trap smasher device yep. that if you put if you put your hand in there it would make your hand into a pancake i had to shove this wooden stick into the the grease can smasher oh my god grease and can push, smasher i had to push this yeah because grease cans had leftover grease in them so yeah. they would they would they would get the leftover grease i would stick it in to the machine and shove the greasy stick against the greasy button that powered the machine and i had to lean with my entire body against it for like five minutes while it slowly came down and crushed can after can and it was extremely uncomfortable anyway Uh so i did not want to do that work is what i'm saying yes yes work is work labor is labor but i did that's not work i there should be a machine for that and there was a machine it was just why do i have to push this button with and like the stick was greasy and the machine was greasy so it would slip all the time yeah uh the best day was when the power went out uh-huh. And the manager said we had to eat all the ice cream because that's a good. It, pl- that's a good. But so I just gave out free ice cream to everyone who came into the store. <laughs> I of course <laughs> didn't don't eat ice cream, so I didn't like right. it. But but uh, it, and I'm well, sure that sounds well, that, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice day. All right, that's been enough of that. Yeah, um, labor is uh, it sucks, and that's uh, and respect the virus. Who cares? I'm out. Bye. I'm gonna go. Okay. All right. Uh, I got a Dr. Pepper okay. in the fridge I'm thinking about. That's getting oh, me that's, through this whole virus. Just thinking about that Dr. Pepper. I'm going to go okay. drink it now. <laughs> All right. We've, this is, have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.